0: And something changed once I really started like building my confidence. Well, actually confidence is a choice, but when you started just choosing to be more confident, choosing to be more intentional, choosing to really have that leadership vibe, the people that reached out to me, and and I'm not going to put people in a hierarchy or anything like that, but it was highly committed people, like people like I wanted to work with because my energy and my personality and who I, what I stood for was infused into that.
1: Welcome to Two Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the dynamic and fabulous Joy Buffalini. Meet Joy Buffolini, creator of the Simplify to Multiply method, helping women scale their businesses by simplifying their focus. In her 11 years as an entrepreneur, she's been featured in both O and Entrepreneur Magazine as a leader in the business coaching industry. She's known for her warm but no-fluff approach to helping women do their soul work in this world. Even while raising her daughter with multiple disabilities, Joy has built a robust seven-figure business by keeping a simple and scalable focus. Joy Buffalini, my sister in selling for non-traditional sales folk, big glorious red hair, and so many other things. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. So I could ask you, the TLTQ question, which is, what do small business owners need to focus on this week?
0: Love it. Thanks for having me, Annie. All right, let's go right to it, redheaded sister. Redheaded <laughs> sister! <laughs> well, what they w- need to focus on is something that introverts initially won't like to hear. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Communication. hmm Communication. So one of the reasons that a lot of people who have a business... Online service-based business don't have the number of clients that they want. Is they're mm-hmm. not communicating enough. They're not communicating to enough people. They're not in front yeah. of enough people. They 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 would rather like be a back end face of the business. And yeah. at some point, you can do that. You know, yeah. get past you know get past multiple six figures, and like you could freaking just be like a background face in your business. <laughs>
1: Eventually, eventually, I mean eventually, that's eventually. some Oprah level shit. Like when you are Oprah, you could take a back seat in your business. But for right now, you need to be talking to a ton of people all the time.
0: Yes, because they're hiring you, even if it's a you know something that's not a one-to-one type of thing. Yeah. So communication and some of the, and, and I think we can forget, we can get so busy with all the busy work of the business, like the tech stuff, endlessly updating your website that nobody's actually on. So we think that's <laughs> Hey, no offense, but really. No offense unless- I'm <laughs> laughing because that was me. Like
1: I'm laughing because there was very much, and this is one of the things I've talked about, about being a business owner with OCD, like when I fixate. And there was a time where I never looked at the analytics from my website because I knew no one was there. But every day I would wake up and be like, got to make my website better. Got to make my website better. And it wasn't until like a year of that constant stress that I was like, wait, 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 wait. Am I actually driving any traffic to this website? Right. So I laugh because, A, that was me. But also... So many of us have that tendency to want to pour energy and effort into the biggest, shiniest thing that feels like work instead of prioritizing the uncomfortable, which for introverts like me
0: is connection. And me. (laughs) And me. Absolutely. So, and and it's almost gives you a sense of safety and security. Like, yeah, I'm working on my business. Right. And that was me from 2011 to 2016. I'm working on my business. But guess what? I never made more than $20,000 in a year. Like, wait a second. Some things were you know, some things wrong here. Now, during that time frame, obviously, it's st- still, I have um, three kids at the time. We're teenager, younger teenagers. And um, my daughter, Amber, she's my sweetheart. She has significant disabilities from brain damage at birth, like mm-hmm. 18-month-old level in a now right. 22-year-old body. So I had a lot on my plate. And I'm an introvert. I'm not like the person that wants to be, you know raw, raw, raw and peopling all the time. So like, how do I make this work? Cause I I'd be working hard, but I wasn't getting traction. Right. And, and I think it's, we can almost be unconscious of like how little people are actually seeing our content. Even if you're sending sending out one email a week and like, let's say you have a really good open rate and 35% of the people open it. That's that's a lot of people that do not see you in the course of a month. Correct. Or if, you know, you get social media overwhelmed or you're like on LinkedIn one week and on Instagram one week and on Facebook another week, but not any one place consistently, there's very few people who are actually going to know about your awesomeness, right? Exactly. Which is why I had to get
1: over the, I don't know, I want to say stigma, even though I know that that's not the right word, but I was so resistant as a former marketer to repurpose content be i was so resistant i had just a freaking mountain range not even a mountain but a mountain range of resistance to repurposing because i had that fear that you're talking about it's like i don't want to oversaturate i don't want to talk too much i don't want to annoy people they've heard this from me before and Finally, I caught up to the fact that A, your best stuff not only deserves repeating it or bears repeating, it demands repeating. Number one. No. And number two, people aren't paying close enough attention to you at any given moment in their lives that they're gonna go, excuse me, Joy, three <laughs> and a half months ago no. at 212 right. p.m., I already saw this post on LinkedIn. So I'm gonna unfollow you. That's no, what that. we fear.
0: But nobody actually thinks like that.
1: And I've had one person in my last, like, year and a half of of repurposing content religiously, like, as my religion, Mm -hmm. I've had one person acknowledge that they had already seen something. And you know what they said? They said, oh, my gosh, Annie, this is one of my very favorite posts of yours. And I'm like, thank you. Okay. So the people I was worried about annoying are like, oh, yay, my favorite. Like, Like, why do we think that we can watch hours and hours of reruns of television, but people only want to see our memes one time? I don't know. Right. And email is similar in that we have new people coming on the list all the time. And 35% is a wonderful open rate. It's a wonderful freaking open rate. But that still means that 65% of your people have no idea what you're talking about.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And you know, the, the, the thing is, is that Every time you hit post on a, on a post, every time you hit send on an email, you see that. I mean, assuming you're doing it yourself, eventually you get a team to help you out with that. But like you're seeing every piece of content that goes out there. Correct. But when people are scrolling through their feed, unless your content is really compelling, they are not going to stop the scroll. No. They're going to keep on going, right? right. Or unless they're, they've been following you religiously, they're not going to get a notification that you just posted something, right? right. Or Unless they're connected and engaging with your content. You know, there is- I the mean, I where-
1: get my own push notifications of me. It'll be like new on LinkedIn from Annie P. Ruggles. And most of the time I don't even open
0: those. And I'm me. Right? right. So right. You we know you're communicating. You know? Right. Exactly. So here's the thing is a couple things for me. You know, in 2016, I had this line in the sand moment of like, all right, I gotta figure this shit out. And or I've got to go get a job because I my kids are getting older, medical yep. expenses have been piling up. Like I've got to make this work. Right. And honestly, I was not doing the one thing that in every other area of my life it was really good at. I'm a former math teacher. Focus. <laughs> And simplicity. I was trying to do trigonometry without first having mastered algebra one. Right. I was going to
1: say, we got to go back to
0: freaking triangles and geometry and... (laughs) right. Like I knew I was smart. Like I could figure things out and managing my daughter's care over the years. And like, I am a freaking amazing case manager. Like why am I not a good like CEO of my own business? Well, I was doing all the things and not the things that actually mattered. So when I, when I started changing this and I had to do it in a way that worked for me as a mom with a lot on her plate and also as an introvert, you know, that like, I knew you had to be communicating with people. How do you do this in a way, you know, where you're not on like I've heard of business, you know, people that follow a business model where it's like 30 cold calls, breakthrough and breakthrough calls like with cold leads a month, you know, like hour long, totally burnt themselves out. I knew I would never do it. Okay, that. the idea of 30 hours
1: of bullshit on my calendar and and let's let let listener let's key in to the fact that Joy and I, both of whom teach sales, yeah, don't want to be on sales calls. I love sales calls. They're my favorite thing in the universe. My discovery calls are amazing. I have a blast and I make good money. That being said, the idea of 30 hours of my precious baby bird time being eaten by the shark of cold
0: leads It's crazy.
1: Makes me break out in hives.
0: Totally. And I have clients that come to me out of that model and like, oh my God, I'm so glad that what you're, that, that the path I'm going to be on now is so much. Simpler. I'm
1: like itching myself now. I'm like, oh, really?
0: I, I, I totally get it. And, and, and I wasn't one of these people that would say, I'll do whatever it takes. You know, I, I knew I, I had experienced significant burnout. -hmm. Um, Ten years before, actually, when my daughter was little, and all the hospital stays and overextending myself, and I mean, her life was literally on on the line back then. Like, so I learned that lesson. I intuitively knew, like, I am not going to kill my health or my relationships over this business. But you know, when I had this line in the sand moment, I was having a conversation with my husband, and I really was like at this point, like, my back up against the wall. You know, like I said, I've got to figure this out. And I, and I had like. Healthy anger, I'm going to call it, right? And when I get mad, I'm not a person that gets mad easily. I got mad, threw a pillow across the room, said a few expletives, right? Like, um, okay, I'm like, I'm freaking going to do this. I'm going to figure this out. And literally, I went in my office and I wrote down three things. And the next year, I made $104,000 and worked less. Simplified. wait, a something here. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, yeah, because you wrote down three things, not ten things, not three hundred things, not thirty things. I was doing too many things, and none of them were taking me in the right direction. So one of them, uh, one of the three things, actually was consistent content, consistent focused content. So one of the things we try to do, and and, and content is parting the set, part of the selling process, and I'll I'll talk about how that leads to that. Um, consistent content that's not for everyone. You know, sometimes we can seek to be people pleasers. We want people to like us. Especially introverts. Like- if we come yes. out
1: of our shells, we're like, I'm out. I'm already unsafe. They may as well like me. So let me just not like stir anything up. Like, let me yeah. just peek my little head out of my turtle shell, make sure everybody's happy, delight everyone and go back inside for three months. Like
0: people pleasing and introversion is like not a Venn diagram. It's like a circle. Yes. And so you really, you can tend to want to be everything to everyone, right? And everybody who follows you is not the right fit client. So I really had to dial in like, who is what I now call your yes client? Like that person who would be a perfect fit for what you have to offer. Who is that yes client? And so then the next level of focus was just talk to them in my contact, right? Just talk to them. <laughs> yeah. uh, two other decisions I made were to um, not sell anything under 3K. That was like a really bold decision, but I knew that like, I just need, my time needs to really count and I'm going to really give to these clients, but I changed my pricing structure too. And you know what I like about that Yeah, a lot? 3K is
1: mid ticket. Yeah. A lot of the time when I see people lose their brains in similar Scarlett O'Hara moments that <laughs> that wind up going really well for them um they're aiming from undercharging to mid ticket not that i'm against high ticket i've talked a lot on the show about different models and different strokes for different folks right but but I love that in your striving, you were like, I need to get my rates to mid-ticket. You didn't immediately go, what's the most expensive thing I could sell?
0: No. Because
1: I see a lot of that when we're in that shake your carrot in the air, I'll never go hungry again space. We want to go for the shiniest low-hanging fruit, which for many of us in our industry is the highest ticket we could imagine. Whereas you were like, I want 3K. It's going to give me what I need. And I could own
0: that. And I felt like I could right. deliver on that.
1: for It's an investment for the clients but one that they can make yes that they don't have to take out a separate credit card to do or they could do over a payment plan we're we're getting them to the point of spending 3k we're not rushing to the 30k so i know that i'm taking us on a tangent there but just for me when you said 3k i was like i love how grounded that choice is in that it's a perfect number if you're trying to grow your business without overgrowing your business
0: yeah Yep, cool. exactly. And really, that's three clients a month. Yep. And in 2017, the year that I'm referring to, I didn't get three clients in January and February. Right. But by the end of the year, I was getting four, five, six, right? right. So it all came out in the wash, you know? Yeah. Because it took some time for this compound effect of this consistent content, One of the things that helped me as an introvert as well is writing my content offline. Now I did live videos once a week. You know, you just get yourself in the mind space. It's important to do that too. And I don't mind being live on video. It's just, I need to have recharge time if I've been on video a lot. Again, introvert. (laughs) But I write my content off of social media. So like I'm writing in a Google doc or a Word doc or sometimes in the note on my phone app, you know, just, just running, you know, some ideas I can get the basics of a post down and really, um, really things that are top of mind for my yes client. Because the more, more of your clients you serve, the easier it is to write content. Oh, hell yeah. Not not that you're talking about your clients by name or anything like that, but No. no. Um, the people that, you know, are reaching out to you? What are the challenges? The patterns become
1: so crystal clear that you're like, (laughs) I had five different (laughs) client calls this week of different people in different industries and they all have the same problem. Okay, I should probably turn that into content. Like, it's a lot easier (laughs) to keep your finger on the pulse when you have your finger on more pulses. That just makes sense.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So you have to get these conversations going. So the third thing on my list was talk about my offer, which at the time was a one to one coaching program, and talk about it by name. That felt kind of bold to me, kind of ballsy. But I know how the brain works, and it needs to make what I'm doing concrete. To, yes, you know, yes. like otherwise you become what I call like a likable expert online. Like, oh, that was nice. Oh, right. that was this food for thought. But it's like yeah. your brain doesn't wrap around the fact that like, oh, I can reach out to her, and we I don't pay
1: for food for thought. <laughs>
0: right, you exactly. know what I mean? Like food for thought so, is a Costco
1: appetizer. We show up when we want it. We walk around the aisles and we get what we want. And we go, oh, wow, I'm sated for now. But totally. but that is how we wind up with influencers with 30,000 people on Instagram making no money.
0: It's a thing. It's a thing, unfortunately, right? So, and and quality beats quantity all the time. Having quality audience, you know, I've had clients hit six figures with an email list of 300 and a Facebook group of 300.
1: Right. But again, to your previous point, it's got to be consistent. Yes. You can't get there with sporadic good content. You can get there with rare, reduced, amazing (laughs) content as long as it's consistent.
0: Totally. So this is how the selling process changed, once I started getting consistent, dialing in my content, paying attention to what was working. Like, Okay, I'm dialing in my content. I'm getting more people, you know, reaching out, booking calls with me. And I was at the time, I think I was doing hour or 35, 30, uh, 45 minute calls at the time. I can't remember. And I was like, you know what? We can dial this into 30 minutes. This is a 30 minute call. And then I started, you know, my sales process and I don't do twist arms or overcome objections or anything, just tap into desires. And you wouldn't be on this
1: show if you twisted an arm.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I know. Right. (laughs) Anyway, and then those conversations, what I started doing was taking what was happening in those conversations and moving that into content as well. Mm -hmm. And I started creating a new system for selling that I finally in 2020, like kind of like just went for it. So, and that was selling completely in DMs. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, I had 20 calls, 20 sales calls, 30 minutes, um, 20 sales calls booked in a month. We were moving and the pandemic had just started. Still have multiple (laughs) children. Like
1: they, your kids didn't voluntarily be like, it's okay, mom, we've got this. We
0: don't need a parent for right now. And I had been like thinking, like, I've seen people do this. I wouldn't do that. I would do this. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do this. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was I took what I was doing in the sales call, the questions I was asking and the details I was giving about the program. Mm -hmm. And I put it in a PDF. Yep. So basically my new sales process became consistent content that gets people leaning in, leaning in, leaning in. Yep. They reach out, fill out a short application, I'm thumbs up. Yep, they're a good fit. And I send them the PDF. And I had been running this program for several years at that point. So I really knew what the energy of it was, you know, what the client journey was, what the value is to the client. So instead of spending time on the phone, we could do it right. You know, they could. And here's the thing a lot of women in my world to be maybe a bit more introverted or sensitive or like to take time to process things, you know? And when you're making an investment in your business, you don't want to be on a phone call like, you know, um, I have to say yes or no right now. So what I like about this new sales process too is both they get a chance in their own time to like take in, what is this program? Is this the right? And I actually ask them, you know, is this aligned for you? And what questions do you have? Yep. Because... That's exactly, that is like, I feel like a very respectful sales process. It re- respects my time and energy. It respects their time and energy. And also as a human being, like they can make their own choices. You know, right. they know what they need better than I know what they need. So if right. this is it, right? if it's not, that's okay too. That's one of the main tenets
1: of the non-SZZ sales academy is people are going to make decisions on their own time and in their own speed. So if you stand against the current of that, you look like an asshole. Yeah. Right. And so a lot of a lot of traditional sales training is willingness to look like an asshole. Our people, your people and my people, the listeners of this show, again, we're introverts. We're people pleasers. We don't want to look like an asshole. And so I'm like, look, here's what you do. You have to honor people's decision making process and make sure that your processes and your systems are rising to the occasion of facilitating that. Mm. Right. And not and not trying to salmon against up the current of how people make decisions because you're totally right. Nothing can lose someone faster than when it feels like you're trying to make that decision under duress. Like, Oh, right. And so that's why it's like stuff like fast action bonuses. They work really well when they work well for your right audience. But if you put a fast action bonus in front of someone who is in tough times or a fast action bonus in front of someone who is stressed out of their gourd Or a fast action bonus on somebody that already has a 70-hour work week is going to stress
0: them out more than convert them. Exactly. And that's not what we want for people, you know? No! And so I, I think that, you know, whenever you really come at it, when your content, I'll use this analogy. If you think of like a golf course, there's a golf course actually over here, right back here behind my house. And, um, like when somebody comes into your world, like, let's say here's the flag hole in one, they're way over here when they first come into your world, you know, they're just kind of like half reading your stuff. They see Mm -hmm. your name here or there whatever. But the more that they see your name, your face associate, like the energy of who you are and your personality and your style and your way of communicating, what they're going to do is they're going to kind of move towards that hole in one themselves. They take themselves there rather than us pulling them there in a sales call your content without being salesy your content can actually pull them in like wow i'm really feeling aligned with, with what she's saying yeah right. that really resonates that sounds like me yeah i really get that boy she's really on point with like the pulse of like what's been going on for me so that's not going to be for everybody but for right. the people that you're meant to serve they're going to really resonate so by the time you have the sales conversation whatever type of conversation it is they're going to be 90% of the way there Ideally, right. if your is doing the work for you.
1: Well, and, and I think it's our mutual friend and fellow Dame Kat Stancic that says experts don't chase. Right? And, and that's part of it, too, is, like, if I watch a Netflix show, if I start a Netflix series and I watch one episode, when I go back into Netflix, it says continue watching. So the prompt is there. But Netflix doesn't call me on the phone 57,000 times saying, how likely are you to watch the second episode of The Witcher? How likely are you to do these things? Why don't you go watch it right now? You should put it in your calendar. When can we connect? Would you like us to watch The Witcher together? Netflix don't cur, Okay? Like, it that's not what they do. They just put the suggestion in your thing you've previously watched. Or if they complete it, you go, cool. You absorbed that and you liked it. What about this? It guides you toward the next step. It doesn't hound you about your choices. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's such a such a good illustration that it's like, "Oh, I love because if it was a show, it said continue watching and you saw that and you liked it, nobody has to convince you like, "Oh, yeah, I want to watch more of that." Right? right? Because they've already created value there. That right. matches you or matches me, you know, you start watching something, you're like, nah, that's not my thing. They're not going to continue watching. And, no. you know, let, that's the way it works. <laughs> that's the way that it
1: works. And again, to your previous point, we're only talking to your yes client. Your exactly. yes client will binge on their own with support from you. Yes. Yes, exactly. Your non yes client is not going to become your yes client through binging your content. Right. Sometimes we think that we create this metamorphosis and a lesser client type will suddenly become, you know, the ugly duckling will become a perfect client swan. And that doesn't happen. There are people with resistance in your yes client roster that need extra support and care, but they're not shifting what they need or how they show up they're just shifting their willingness to invest in themselves and to invest in you, right? Like, we're not saying, okay, cool, now you're this, like, perfect functional thing, come give me money, which I think a lot of us (laughs) kind of fall into when we're trying to create transformation, right? And especially transformational content. So I love that all of this keeps going back to content is, like, what is the cause behind the post? Like, why are you posting this
0: purpose, right? What's my purpose? And And what what are your expectations?
1: Right? Because I also know people that are like, this is the single greatest LinkedIn post that I will ever post. And if this doesn't make me $20,000, I'm going to jump off a cliff. And they get crickets on that post. And then they're like, well, I'm done. It's like, no, 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 no. What are your expectations for this post? Is this expectation for your post to make $20,000? That's probably not realistic with your current list
0: size. Yeah. Definitely.
1: Right? So Absolutely. Ugh, I love that. And it's,
0: it's the compound effect, you know, of, of people seeing your name and associating with your style of writing and what you're talking about. It's also about like when you give someone a shift in your content, like a perspective shift or an insight that they had never thought of before that shifts something in them internally. And they associate your name with that shift. Right. And that's, that's great. There's, I'm sure there's tons of people, thousands of people who I have helped through my content who have never become a client. And that's like totally fine because I'm here to help people in the world no matter what. <laughs> that's great. You know, and I get paid well. That's, it's all good. But, you know, you can create some positive things in the world just by being you and speaking your truth and sharing the things that you know that are the deeper things rather than the tools and the tips and that kind of stuff that does not, does not, does not get people's attention anymore. There's way too much noise out there now. Um, There's not enough differentiation. You know, if you sound like everybody else in your industry, everybody's just going to scroll past. They're just going to, you know, scroll past your email or your post. So with all that being said,
1: we've had this elephant in the room of this conversation this whole time, which is introversion. Yeah. And- when I met you, the first time I met you, we we talked a bit about being introverts. And what I love about you is that you, like me, are the only other person I know that every single time you self-identify as an introvert, everyone around you goes,
0: what? 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 <laughs> what? You, what?
1: With your big eyes and your big red hair and your beautiful outfits and your loud voice and your this, you're an introvert, what? And your big internet really. presence and the da, da, da. And I'm like, oh, Joy gets it. Like, Joy gets living this loud. Experience. It's not
0: shy. It's that you need time away from people right. to recharge yourself. Right. So, in, for instance, in a couple of weeks, I'm flying my team here into Florida. We're having yeah. a retreat at my condo. But guess what? I'm going to do for two days before and two days after nothing. No people. <laughs> Jack shit.
1: I mean, I just got back from, I just got back from Podfest, and I had to extrovert so much that yes. I may as well have been in a coma oh. in that, like when we got home,
0: I'm just like, in
1: like the downstairs guest room watching TV <laughs> and Ryan came in and he was like, I know what this is. This is you recharging. I just need to see, can I get you anything? But he identified before I did. I was like, what's wrong with me? Am I depressed? Am I sick? What's going on? Ryan's like, no, you just went to a five-day conference and talked to people the whole time. You can't wow. handle this anymore. You need to watch your Dayline and eat some dominoes and sleep. And I'm like, that's Good for, him. Good for him. him. I do need to do those
0: things, right? But, but you're totally right. Introversion is about recharging. Exactly. You can show up in a big way and be present with people. We're both Italian as well. Now, here I hear I am talking with my hands. Right? Oh,
1: y'all, Somehow, you can't see us, but we're flailing and our hair is gleaming in the sun. Like this is this is a poster child for introverts you
0: wouldn't expect, but yeah. You can have personality. You can show up and be present. You just, right. you just need to know how to take care of yourself. Yes. It took me a while to learn that. Like when I started, you know, when I moved into a girl's, you know, dorm room in college, I was like, Oh, what's this Peep, I got to share a room with people. I like to do stuff and I like right. to, you know, have fun and all of that, but I, there was no quiet time to recharge, you know? So like getting to know yourself and what you need and most people can shorten their sales calls. If yeah. they just do better in their content, just yeah. be more in your content.
1: <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, let your content do some of that extroverting for you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly.
1: Like, again, repurpose your video. If you have great videos, play them more than once. For heaven's sake, Annie, pass easy ruggles. Like, come on, get to it. But, <laughs> but I think for me, running a business as an introvert is, is energy management. And marketing a business as an introvert is extremely energy management and selling as an introvert is the highest level of energy management, which is why with my clients and also with myself, I try to give like a tax, like an energetic tax to those tasks so that I don't schedule 57 calls in a row. I can't do that. I can write 57 emails in a row. (laughs) Right. Right. I can run 57 client reports in a row. But if you put, again, 30 hours of cold calls into my week, I'm going to die. Right. And (laughs) so sometimes when my clients make these big leaps in their marketing, especially if they identify as ambiverts or introverts, and they come to me and they go, what's next? What's next? What's next? My answer is slow down. Mm. You just took this big, scary leap. You just did this big brave fold thing. We still, we cannot forsake consistency, but what we can do is reduce the pot from boil to simmer for a little bit while you yeah. recharge, right? Because you've already mentioned this, the the risk of burnout for people like us who have on-off switches is really high if we're not willing to hit the off switch. And so with my clients, sometimes they feel like they can't and I have to be the one to be like, your homework is go take a nap. Like they're paying me to help them sell. They're paying me to help them make money. And I'm like, cool, go take a nap. Legit. And they're like, (laughs) I'm like, how many people did you talk to yesterday? Twelve. How do you feel today? Crappy. Cool.
0: Oh my.
1: (laughs) Right? (laughs) Don't talk to anybody. So what in terms of the your three pillars, right? Like consistent focused content, a price point that works and isn't people pleasing. And making your offer a household name for the households of your yes client, not a household name internationally, right? <laughs> exactly. Is there is there anything there that you know is particularly difficult for introverts that you kind of want to guide us through?
0: Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I don't. I think introverts can be really good actually at the content when they get tuned in, tapped in have a ritual routine or listen intuitively, you know, everybody like finding your, what is your writing process. Um, and then, you know, I think it's when they have people reaching out when you start getting, when you start growing and you have people reaching out that you don't know them, you've never met them before. Like, I don't know what they're like energetically, yeah, and that's going to start happening. I remember when that started happening for me, it was kind of like, oh, but like, okay, who who's this? Is this a creep? Is this somebody, you know, a person I would jive with? Pardon oh. me,
1: are you a creep? <laughs> I know,
0: right? But here's what I found started happening is that as I fine-tuned my content and it was like, it was like the people who were, uh, I would call them like, they, 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 they just wanted to piggyback off of my energy, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they just wanted to like be be friends and they really, you know, pick my brain or something that really went away once my content had this leadership energy in it. You know, there was just the leadership energy. To it that if somebody reached out, Ooh. it was just a, it was a, it was, wasn't something like they weren't dumping. This is what I was always afraid of. Like, especially if I opened up my DMs, they were just like dump in my DMs, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, like, yeah. oh, oversharing too much information. And something changed once I really started like building my confidence. Well, actually confidence is a choice, but um, when you started just choosing to be more confident, choosing to be more intentional, choosing to really have that leadership vibe, the people that reached out to me and i'm not going to put people in a hierarchy or anything like that but it was highly committed people like people like i wanted to work with mm-hmm. because my energy and my personality and who i what i stood for was infused into that somehow accidentally i figured it figured it out and over time you can too it just takes some practice and some fine tuning showing up so my clients are amazing and delightful and so like me because they got to know me very well. It wasn't a cold call. It wasn't like some referral, like, who's this joy girl? You know, joy person, <laughs> whatever. No, they actually, you know, were like, yeah, I, but, yeah, I want to work with joy. You know, I want to, I want to be in a container with joy because they were aligned. So I got higher quality. If you get what I'm saying. Like well, completely. Highly, highly committed. Higher commitment, right?
1: So like, like, we I don't want to put people in tears, but I will put people in tears all day by commitment. Yeah right and and by readiness and willingness to put in the work right and and right. because so many of us it's again it's not that you can't nurture someone you can absolutely nurture someone to readiness but at the same point if you're spending all that time incubating interest you're missing creating change with your people which is more of that leadership energy which i got to tell you joy in a million years I never would have thought of that energy as leadership. But once you said it, I'm like, that's exactly what it is. So before we transition to our phenomenal pop culture topic that I'm so excited about, I want to sit in that spot for just one more minute about tapping into that leader energy. Now, I completely agree with you that confidence is a choice. um, And I am not a fake it till you make it person. I'm much more like my friend Ben, the failure guy says, fail it till you nail it,
0: uh, (laughs) which
1: I adore. But. Let's say that I want to um, show up in that leadership role. Yeah. Number one, how do I know if I'm doing it? Or number two, Mm -hmm. how do I lean further into it for me? Like if, how do I know until I'm in it fully and can identify it? How do I know or how do I grow in that leadership energy?
0: Sure. One way to do that would be through story. Okay. So sharing your story a bit, a bit in a very natural, authentic way, that's a bit of a hero's journey to inspire your people. You know, something that you have gone through, something that you have learned, the, the, uh, the things that, you know, in re- retrospect, like, oh, I learned, you know, if I would have known this big thing, like you kind of be a leader by leading the way. By, by, by sharing what you know, not in a very, not in a braggy kind of way, this is not bro marketing or any of that stuff. It's, it's just about really speaking, like not being afraid to say, you know, one of the mistakes I see women entrepreneurs making over and over again and why they're overwhelmed on social media all the time is, right? And how do I know that? Because I've gone through that experience myself. Yep. Yeah. Right? And what I hear for... in what you're saying right there is transparency,
1: vulnerability, yes. self-awareness, and the mm-hmm. ability to find takeaways for other people through your own example exactly. Right? Your own... Right. Exactly. I love that though. Like again, leadership, you wouldn't think about transparency, but hell yes. Mm-hmm. If you're yes. walking the path. And other people are watching you, you're leading whether you expect to or not. So you may as well lead into the fact that people are watching you. Now, again, back at the very beginning, they're not watching you so meticulously that you're like, oops, I already said this. Oh, my God, let's freak out. But they are watching you. They They are consuming you. And they are behind you on the learning curve that you are on. So we may as well be instructive.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So it's not tools and tips for the sake of tools and tips. Those are useless without context. When you're in a story and you're sharing examples, you know, then they can connect the dots in Did their y'all hear head. what she just said? I'm dancing. Tools and <laughs> tips. Yes. Tools
1: and tips are useless without context. Yeah. Quote, Joy Bufalini. That is just... <laughs> now, it's also a perfect, perfect transition segue to our... Oh, my God, so excited. Pop culture topic. Uh, The king of detail. The king of red herrings and then stuff that actually matters, right? The king of putting it out there and seeing what people resonate with and seeing what people pick up on and and tweaking that and definitely leading a tone and energy management. I mean, it's everything we've talked about. What the (laughs) heck does any of the stuff that we've talked about today— have to do with notorious asshole, but filmmaking complete (laughs) genius. And one of my personal favorite creators and one of the biggest inspirations of my book, Alfred Hitchcock. Talk to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny that I grew up watching old movies with my parents. They were just, like, loved all things black and white. Mm -hmm. We just, you know, we watched some of the popular things, too. But, like, on a Saturday night, we watched an old movie. I just thought that was normal. I don't
1: I mean, so, I grew up watching Turner Classic Movies like other kids watch Nickelodeon,
0: like yum yum yum. Totally, and I really appreciate—I appreciated the realness of acting back then, yeah. And like you said, the attention to detail. And people had to be real actors, you know, they, they weren't just getting like short clips and it, you know, all got cropped no. together for them. Like they had to really act, they had to really show up. And, um, you know, so much about what I love about like the Miss, like Alfred Hitchcock. Yes. Not as a person, but as a, as a talent, you know, he made his cameo appearances, right? Oh, Yeah his movie, like the introvert just floating in and floating out. And so many people
1: have done that since Stan Lee has done that. Peter Jackson has done that. But I'm like, OK, cool. That's your little Hitchcock cameo. It's literally called the Hitchcock cameo because yeah, exactly. Hitchcock exactly. was like, by the way, I'm going to do some grocery shopping in this scene. Here I am. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, like, no.
0: what? Yeah, but it's totally. him reminding people that it's his. Exactly, and he had such a unique style that if you didn't had never seen a movie, you didn't know the name of it. It wasn't on your screen. If you knew enough about his style, you would know. You would like, is this a Hitchcock movie? And a lot of movies have been confused for his because of some similar characteristics in it. And so, you know, just like you as a brand, you have a style, you have a vibe, you have a unique flavor that your people are going to want to consume. Like you said on the Netflix, continue watching. Let's keep watching. Let's watch, you know, all 30 of these Hitchcock movies. Let's watch all 30 of Annie's videos or whatever the case may be, right? That, um, you know, whenever you bring something unique and and you keep interest and attention, right? And, And you get to be, honestly, as a content creator, you get to be the director. Right. And not get
1: lost in the content. Right. Like one of the things we talked about in pre-chat and the thing that directly inspired the chunks of the coach who would not sell is on Hitchcock Presents where before they would go to commercial breaks, which is always really fun how he segues to commercial breaks. But before that or after that, he interjects himself in the story to make sure you got the moral, to recapture your attention, yes, to cut to a sponsor, but also to bring you back into the story. And what we talked about before, about everyone's social feeds being so loud, that continued curation, that welcoming back to the story, that last time on, right, is so critical on multiple fronts. Number one, it keeps engagement up. But number two, it reminds people when your face isn't front and center, whose content this is. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So that they see the style and then they see the style and then they see you. And the very next thing, Alfred Hitchcock's logo is a very unflattering picture of his face. Like, you know, (laughs) it's it's a caricature (laughs) of his (laughs) face, right? And his bald head and his like multiple chins. But then when he steps into it, he literally steps into his logo and becomes his brand. That is the clearest thing of personal branding I could possibly think of for someone who did not always like to be the center of attention. He wanted to see what he could create, not how he could position himself. And I think that's so brilliant.
0: He made it work. Absolutely. And
1: freaking brilliant.
0: (laughs) Right. But you're right also
1: about like acting back then was not super overproduced. Sometimes it was big Hollywood Right? We were still getting people used to the talkies. So every now and then somebody had to be reined in. But when (laughs) you shoot that over the top uh, response in a Hitchcockian style, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure he told Janet Lee to make a bigger, scary face, right? And I'm pretty (laughs) sure he threw more birds at poor Tippy, right? Like, but at the same point, you add the shadow, the sound, the long, like, You know, Stanley Kubrick did this years later where there'd be long gaps in the movie with no sound, right? Mm -hmm. All those things. So what else? Like, what else can we learn about branding and putting ourselves out there as a Hitchcockian devotee?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it's, it's about like, I think again, it's the story. Mm -hmm. So as we were talking about story immerses you. And um, like somebody's facing something kind of scary, right? You know, like if you share, if you're sharing something sort of vulnerable and you're capturing attention and, you know, Hitchcock sometimes had those boo moments or those, right. you know, that the lights and the shadows were a certain way that it communicated, it brought up emotion, yeah. you know? And as a brand, when you can tap into somebody's emotion and, and they do it, the, the, you know, you're not forcing anything on a sales call. We're not talking about that at all. Right. But they can see, you know, for instance, sometimes when I share my story about my daughter, Amber, and I share the the dark side and things that we've been through, you know, and, and what it looks like That's on the side. That's a huge other- part yeah. of your life. She
1: she's is her- a huge part of her your life and she's yeah. a huge part of your day-to-day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think people appreciate story where there there is a an arc that happens you know somebody somebody goes through you know you get to the climax you know and there's the moment and or whatever the thing may be and 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 what people like about a movie too is there's resolution to it right you know like having that having that story arc which i think alfred hitchcock did did so well you know of um just capturing attention and and the the nuanced things that made a big difference. And bringing tension into the mundane. Yeah. That's right?
1: Like, Rear Window yeah. is such a great thing of that. It's a dude looking out his window.
0: The whole movie. Right. Right. not right. like a
1: Seinfeld <laughs> principle where, like, most of the time it's not Agatha Christie. It's not people out on an island having this weird experience because they've been brought there by an eccentric millionaire. It's like... Yeah. My husband and I went on the honeymoon. We met this weird dude, and now this weird dude is ruining our lives. I live in an apartment. I have a broken leg. I have binoculars. I see what I think is a murder. Like, it's in that every day. And so I feel like in content as well, there Mm -hmm. is magic in our mundanity. There is magic in the day-to-day for us. There is power in the story of you and your daughter who you see every single day of your life. Right, without it having to be too dramatic, there's it's there's rich content in the everyday. It is,
0: it is. It's real life, you know, real lives. Like you said in that movie in particular, you're seeing real through other people's windows, seeing real lives. Right, what's behind the curtain, basically. Right, and then also shit like gardening. Like there's a whole big
1: thing about people like doing the community garden in the middle of the thing, and you're like, cool, got it, okay, yeah, got it, right. Uh But but I. I think that that's so profound. So I love, I did not in any way expect when we started this conversation today that we would spend so much of it on content, but I'm so grateful we did because only through consistent outreach are we going to meet and find our people. So that being said, I have two more questions for you before I release you back to your gorgeous day. Um, One of them is about this mundanity, okay? So uh, entrepreneurship can be a horror story in and of itself, hardcore. It could be really weird. It can be really hard. It can be really scary. And in Vulnerable. combination of all three, right? Vulnerable, right. horrifying, yeah. you name it. If you were going to approach Alfred Hitchcock, and who is dead, but let's say he's right. not, and <laughs> you pitched him a movie about a blip of entrepreneurship that he could turn easily into a Hitchcockian horror, <laughs> what aspect of marketing or selling or running a small business would you pitch Hitchcock? <laughs>
0: Oh, that's a fun question. Which part would I pick to be the horror movie? Uh, I would say the you know when they sit down to probably write a piece of content, like <laughs> like, like all the funny things. Like they go in to get their computer, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, my cat needs to be fed. Let me go feed my cat." And the laptop's here. Let's just say it's right in the middle of the kitchen. You know, sometimes I just sit right there. In the- <laughs> Oh, oh, I, those dishes need done. Let me go do those dishes you know, over here, you know. And just the like the oh. screen is just a
1: neglected laptop sitting on a table in like a single stream of shadowed light, like
0: just there the laptop go. longing just for you. it just stops closing, you know, it just gives <laughs> up for the day. Yeah, like, the laptop just quits and starts no. to close itself. Okay, I mean, that's brilliant.
1: Really. Ghost of Alfred Hitchcock, hit us up. We got some there ideas you go. for you. But in the yes. meantime, if you are not the ghost of Alfred Hitchcock and you are, in fact, an introvert out here trying your damnedest to make a mark, but knowing that you could make a bigger, bolder mark within energetic management, they need you. What's the best way for them to start a conversation with you?
0: Well, reach out to me. Facebook is my main social platform. So you can reach out to me. I have good boundaries. It's all good. me. <laughs> <laughs> I have an opt-in on my, like it's called the daily needle movers cheat sheet. That would be Go! great. Hitchcock movie, like, here's the only four things you need to focus on each day. So they're just simple actions. So you'll find that right on my, right on my personal page. I have a simplify to multiply, um, Facebook group. I know everybody's in a Facebook group, but I do really quality content in there. That's where you'll see most of my videos. Um, my brand is simplified to multiply. So you can look that, you know, you can, you can find my group that way. And, um, yeah, I'd love to connect with you. Um, if you're not selling your offers with ease, if you're burnt out with trying to figure out content strategy, if you're, you're the way that you're selling or you're not getting people booking calls with you, or you've got people booking calls with you that are not buying, you actually have to backtrack the process a bit more. And when you go back in the process and think of it like a triangle, like here's your yes client, here's your offer, here's your message. Your sales process is up here and it becomes light and easy when the bottom piece is really strong. So Ah. that's what I focused on, helping women to strengthen that so business just gets lighter and easier.
1: Lighter and easier. Isn't that what we all want when we're living brilliant. through the Hitchcockian nightmare of scaling totally. a personality-driven <laughs> business? Joy Buffalini, it has been an absolute joy interviewing you today. Thank you for all of the wisdom and transparency and leadership, to use your word, which is very clear, that you brought to this episode today.
0: Thank you so much. Such a great conversation. You're brilliant at it. Thank you. Uh,
1: I'm going to bask in that compliment for a second, guys, and I'll be right back with my final thought and your homework for this week. No live birds. Don't worry. Well, hey there. One of the things that makes a Hitchcock movie completely unmistakable other than the shadows and the lingering music, is the choice of what details to include and what details not to include. A zillion years ago when I took a playwriting class back in my musical theater performance days, they told us, don't put a gun over the mantle in Act 1 unless you plan to use it in Act 3. And Hitchcock is a master of this. Everything is purposeful. Either it ties in eventually or it's meant to throw you off track. This reminds me of this week's homework. One of my very favorite tools, dialogue and detail. So often people come to me to revamp or rewrite their copy and they say, Annie, how do you make it sound so much like me? How do you make it sound so much like the people I'm talking to? The answers are dialogue and detail. This week, I want you to pay close attention to the chatter going on in your head and write it down verbatim. And listen to your clients in the same way. If they tell you that they are exhausted to death, don't come back and say, I understand you're tired. Come back and say, I'm exhausted to death. Put that in a bank of copy that you can pull from in the future. It's not about using people's personal details. We're not going to start telling tales out of school and spreading gossip all over the internet. Their details are their own. But what are the patterns in the language? Or what are phrases that are not someone's intellectual property, but is so unique to your work, you just have to use it? I can't wait to see what you come up with. And if you'd like to see an example of how I use dialogue in detail, both my own and my clients, check out that book I mentioned at sellcoachsell.com. That's right. My little Hitchcockian noir, The Coach Who Would Not Sell, is available at sellcoachsell.com and Amazon, but it's free for you on the first one if you use the code LEGITIMATE. Hey, thanks for listening. If this episode kept you laughing and learning, I have two requests for you. First, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button, depending on your platform, so you never miss an episode. And also, more importantly, if you are looking for support, inspiration, networking, collaborations, or just a chance to hang out with me, Annie P. Ruggles, and our fantastic guests, make sure that you are a member of our LinkedIn community, The Legitimati. It is a weird and wonderful place. I can't even believe it's on LinkedIn. And we want you there. You'll find the link in the show notes. Big shout out as always to the fabulous dudes who helped me make this show. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact, my theme composer, Riley Horbasio, and my show art creator, Francois Vigno. See you next time.